What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Cheap Seats Podcast. I'm Wire to Wire Gene, and to my left is the Prince of Production, Kyle Edwards. How you feeling tonight, Kyle? Mike's still muted, bud. And he's still muted. Come on, Kyle. One week. I need you I to mean, be ready one week. I was ready to go. I don't even know why I was still muted. That's my fault, <laughs> but it's going to get better from here. It's only one way to go from there. You, you're so unprofessional, exactly. Kyle. Uh, it happens. <laughs> but no, I'm good. I'm good. Can't get. I'm ready to get, get into these topics. I think we have another great show ahead. So it's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to them also. Directly below me, I got Dylan Reed, a.k.a. D-Nice. What's happening, Dylan? How you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, just kind of just waiting. Sports is kind of at a dull period right now. So just getting as much information and news that I can. What are you talking about? This is not nothing's dull. Nothing's dull. No, I don't know, man. If you're not a big baseball fan, what are people really watching? I'm a fan of everything. Baseball, yeah, football, give it to me all. I gotta wait till my Saturdays. My Saturdays are usually what's keeping me busy now. You got we need some college football on Saturdays. That's what yes, we need. Most mm-hmm. definitely. And caddy corner to me on the bottom left. Welcome back. Mo better, Mo Money, Mo Problems. How you feeling tonight, Mo? I'm good, Gene. Hey, guys, what's up? We give him a week off. I, I never knew of a job where you, you start one week and then the second week you just take off. <laughs> yeah, it's unique. <laughs> Much appreciated. Just let this guy take a week off. I don't think that's right. I'm kidding. We got some fun topics for you tonight. We got four questions, as usual, week by week. Check in in the comments. Say, what's up? Welcome to the Cheap Seats. So, four huge topics. We got two football topics, a general topic about fan bases, and a fourth topic that can basically go anywhere with sports phrases. So we're going to get into each one of them. But I want to start – it's NFL season. I want to start – why not put some people in the hot seat early? Why not talk about the coaches that are walking into the season? Training camp is starting. The Jets were announced for hard not. Let's talk about some – Coaches on the hot seat. So read the question out. I think this was uh, Kyle's question or Dylan's? Yes, this is it was Kyle's. Kyle, read it out. I'm going to share this group out this uh, out to like 100 groups real quick. Okay. I mean, it's a very simple question. We have the NFL season coming up. I feel like this is kind of an activity that most fans like to do each season. What are Which are the NFL coaches to you that are on the hottest seat? going into next year. Uh, we can start with Mo. I think Todd Bowles is a good candidate for somebody that's on the hot seat, but I, you know what? I'm going I'm to go another way. How about Sean McDermott? Okay. How about Sean McDermott? I, and I'm only saying this because, look, you can replace a coach a lot easier than you can replace a quarterback. So we can all acknowledge Josh Allen has come up short more times than not in the postseason. But he's still their big gun. He's still their franchise quarterback. At some point, if they keep coming up short, they're not going to move Josh Allen. They're going to look to move on from the head coach because you can't keep changing out offensive coordinators. Eventually, the man at the top, the man that everybody's got to, like, ride with and follow behind his leadership, that's the guy that people are going to start looking at. So I'm going to say that Sean McDermott 
is on a hot seat. No, no matter what their regular season record is, it's all about what they do in the postseason. Okay. Can I uh, can I rebuttal that one real quick? Absolutely. I, and the only reason I say that is because out of every single coach that we talk about, Sean McDermott's seat is freezing cold. There's nothing hot about it. Should it be on the hot seat? Yeah, I agree. It should be on the hot seat, but it's freezing cold right now. Buffalo goes seven and ten. They might they might put them on the hot seat. And I don't think anybody expects Buffalo to go seven and ten. And the problem is this, right? You, Mo, you're right. He should be on the hot seat, right? Defensive minded head coaches are of the past. They're of a, a different breed. You look look at just look at the of what you're looking at on the screen. Todd Bowles, defensive minded head coach. Brandon Staley, defensive minded head coach. Riverboat Ron. Look at all these coaches on the hot seat. Sean McDermott. Their defensive minded head coaches are on the way out of the NFL. However, I can't say Josh Allen's coming up short in the playoffs. Last year, yes. That game versus Kansas City two years ago, that's not on Josh Allen. Might be on the clock. That's not on Josh coming up short. Just an opinion. What's, mean, your, opinion? What's your opinion, Kyle? On your own on your own topic. Well, I well, I kind of went outside of these three as well. And I want Dennis Allen down in New Orleans. They're okay. in a division that's very winnable. They brought in a new quarterback after the quarterback's been kind of an issue there for the past couple of seasons. You know, Derek Carr's going down there. I think there's some expectations, especially with Olave at wide receiver. You still have Alvin Kamara. You got Thomas, depending on if he can actually play or not. The defense is still pretty good. I feel like if the Saints don't find a way to win that division with the state of the other teams, I mean, Atlanta you're dealing with second year in Desmond Ritter. Still, they are they made a lot of changes to the defense, so we don't know how good they're going to be. You're looking at the Carolina Panthers, where you know they're they're got a young quarterback. I think their defense is really good, but we got to see what Bryce Young can do with the speed of the NFL. And then you're looking at Tampa Bay; they just lost Tom Brady. Now you're being led by Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. It kind of seems like the Saints should win this division. And if they find a way not to, like, how does Dennis Allen keep his job? It's funny you say Dennis Allen, because what is he? Another defensive minded coach, yes. Who Mike is that? I have no clue. Driving me nuts. Um, Dennis Allen, another defensive minded head coach on the hot seat. True. And it, it, it's crazy how the NFL is completely swung. NFL coaches are all offensive-minded. All the Super Bowl winning coaches outside of Bill Belichick for like the last 10 years are all offensive-minded. Doug Doug Peterson, Sean McVay, Andy Reid. Go through it. They're all offensive-minded head coaches. And then you had to go on the other side. That's the only reason Bill – listen, I'm not saying Bill Belichick's not a phenomenal coach, but these offensive-minded head coaches are where the league is headed. Guys, I, I don't even know if I could put this guy on a hot seat. I don't even know if I could put him on the hot seat. I, I don't want to say Brandon Staley again. I don't want to say Brandon Staley. 
The guy is terrible. He should have been fired after last year. His seat was super really? hot last year. I don't really? know if he got rubber on his booty because this man that never feels the seat being hot. So let me give you a different one because I feel like the ones on the screen are very easy. I was not a fan of this hire to begin with, but I think this year is the Matt Eberflus year to be on the hot seat for the Chicago Bears. If Justin Fields doesn't take that step forward that he should, if the Bears don't take that step forward to contention in the playoffs, I don't think Matt Eberflus has a job next year. I wasn't a fan of the hire to begin with. That should have been Brian Flores' job. That was the year after he got let go in Miami. It was an easy hire. They didn't go that direction. I'm not a fan of it, but Matt Eberflus is definitely on the hot seat in Chicago. Can't have another number three, number four overall pick season. They got to make serious progress. I think they need to win eight eight games to save his job. I really believe that. If they don't win eight games, I think he's fired. And that's a four-win increase from where they were last year. Dylan, yeah. who you got? Um, so I actually went different than everybody. I had all of your guys' names as like kind of just different names, but the main one that I honed on honed in on is Mike McCarthy. I feel like he should be on the hot seat. I mean, the Cowboys back-to-back uh, -back 12 win seasons but they're one and two in the playoffs McCarthy's six and eight in the playoffs through 2011 um having a great regular season is nice but if you're not doing anything in the playoffs it, it doesn't matter I mean the same reasons that all of us have said some other coaches like it doesn't matter if you do have great or decent in the regular season when you get to the playoffs and not win it's not good the team also parted away with parted ways with Kellen Moore um, Mike McCarthy is going to be taking over the play calling now there, which is going to be very big on him. It seems like it's kind of all, all a lot of this pressure is on his shoulders this season to produce. And if the Cowboys just lose in the first round or maybe not even make it to the NFC championship, that would be what their 27th year in a row without doing it. I think it would be a time for a change. This team is has a great roster in an NFC that is, I wouldn't say open, but it's mainly a two team race between San Francisco and Philadelphia. Um, I think if Dallas has a, a prime opportunity to at least attempt it, um, and if they just get bounced out of the playoffs again or in the second round, it's going to seem all for a fail. They have a great roster. They got Stefan Gilmore to pair with Trayvon Diggs to help out that secondary. They've kept a lot of people outside Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard should be that lead back. Hopefully he can come back healthy. I know he has his contract issues as well. Overall, I just don't think it's a it's a, I think him taking over that play calling is definitely putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And it's kind of looking like, hey, you know, this might be his last chance. So. I think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. Um, Cowboys fans probably won an NFC championship. So I love that answer, right? And I think one of the worst kept secrets in the NFL is how how good the Dallas Cowboys defense has improved in this mm -hmm. offseason. And, like, people are literally talking about the NFC like it's a 49ers, Eagles, and that's it. And I completely disagree. I think Dallas is more talented than any team in the I NFC. I agree. I think they have one of the most talented rosters. And if they're them to fall short in the playoffs again, it's going to look very bad on McCarthy. I mean, you look at the NFC as a whole. Do you have a top five running back in Tony Pollard? Well, Pro Bowl selection last year would say yes. Do you have a top five quarterback in the NFC? I would say yes. Do you have a top five? Do you have a top five wide receiver in the NFC? It's close. CD Lamb right there. Close. How about a top five defense? And the answer is yeah. yes. They're top they're two, five across the board. You have two of arguably the best corners in the league right now. Stefan Gilmore is still really good, might be a little older, and Trayvon Diggs. I know he gets burnt in some coverages, but he still can ball hawk the football. I think that's a very good question. So we can look at the ones on the screen. I think Todd Bowles is out of there. I think that this is just a, 
a makeshift year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't understand how he could keep his job. He would have to take Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trash, Trash with an H at the end, to the playoffs. I don't think he'll do that. Brandon Staley is on the last year of his contract. I don't see how he can get an extension unless the Chargers make a run in the playoffs. They can't just make the playoffs. Stefanski is another great answer. I, I saw I saw Stefanski a lot when I was researching. My, my thing with the Chargers is like it feels like more prime that Staley will get fired. They're building a new they're building like a new like area. They're building a new facility. I'm pretty sure, like you said, it's the last year of this contract. I'm pretty sure they'll be fine eating that last year if they have to. I think if Staley doesn't make it to like an NFC or AFC championship, he's gone. I think he has like the hottest seat of them all. I completely agree with you. And after I, I don't know how he wasn't. I would have fired him before he got on the plane home from Jacksonville. Exactly. I, I don't mean, know how you make it home from Jacksonville. Was it twenty-eight to three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember a twenty-eight to three game in the Super Bowl, and that coach got fired. Oh wait, he's on Dallas's staff. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> I take shots at Cowboys fans anytime I get a chance. I love Doug, but anytime you take a shot at a Cowboys fan, it's always fun. And then you look at Riverboat Ron. You want to talk about Ron Rivera. You want to talk about a guy that didn't know that his team was eliminated from the playoffs if something happened? Because I don't know who we're going to start a quarterback next week. But you realize that if you lose this week that you're out of the playoffs. Oh, that could happen? Do you remember that interview? Yeah. That was awful. And they turned around and brought in the enemy who's been in the coaching kind of carousel the past couple of years and he's been brought in there to basically seem I mean, like the heir of yeah yeah I think he's like he's like the assistant coach basically but he's also the offensive coordinator yeah. it just seems like it's just a matter of time i'm gonna tell you something right now if eric Bieniemy doesn't get a head coaching job soon i don't know what to tell you yeah i feel like oh, i feel I like this year has to be his last year i feel like rivera might step down or go up into the head office or whatever that may be but i feel like it'd be weird if the enemy's just an offensive coordinator in washington again right call it like it is i i think that it's it's laughable Agreed. that eric the enemy hasn't got a job so he went to washington to prove that it's not just patrick mahomes that's making that offense roll that's why he did it because i'll go here and i'll do it with sam howell and i'll show you guys it's not patrick mahomes See, Freddie, post Freddie's dumb comment up. Okay, so let me – his problem was he was under Andy Reid. Let me ask you a question, Andy. Let me ask you a question there, Freddie. Who did Matt Nagy come from? Andy Reid. Who Doug Peterson come from? Andy Reid. I'm not – like, who, who, where, where do you think Sean McDermott came from? Same place. How about John Harbaugh? You want to know what those four co- coaches all have in common? Nice little shiny ring. Yep, we got a nice little shiny ring. And call it like it is. Don't 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 make excuses for it. Eric Bieniemy should have a job. Oh yeah, Pat Mahomes. So so okay. That's once why again, he left. Who That's did Matt Nagy have as his quarterback? Pat Mahomes. Who did Doug Peterson have as his quarterback? Like stop, stop it, stop it. It's wrong wrong okay so doug says it's bigger than football for the enemy there are other reasons why he hasn't been hired now if you're referring to skin color that's what i'm referring to but if you're referring to the off the field stuff that happened in college i don't know what to tell you at this point mark few still has a job he has a dui they 
and this would drives me nuts even more, right? Who's the idiot coach from West Virginia? I forget his name. I don't know why I'm forgetting. Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. Yep. Said on a radio show, a homophobic, homophobic slur, and, and didn't get fired for it. He got fired for the DUI he got two months later. Come on, man. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, even with that, if it's something that happened in college and he has no prior incidents or accidents, gotta gotta let it go. Eric Bieniemy's domestic violence, he didn't plead guilty to it. So you can say what you want about Eric Bieniemy's domestic violence situation. It was a no contest. So, and if if you want to hold that against Eric Bieniemy, that's fine. Then just I, I ask you to keep the same energy when a white coach gets domestic violence when something happens yeah. with it. White coach, let's not pretend that this is just an Eric Bieniemy problem. This is a Brian Flores problem. This is a Jim Caldwell problem. This is, I can go down and down and down if you like. It's not. I don't want to keep going down that rabbit hole, guys. But like, let's be honest with ourselves. I, Klaus, were you there? Did you see him beat his wife? I don't know. I didn't see that. And Tyree Kill still has a job in the NFL, and he's done a lot worse things. If we're being honest, Kareem, I mean, I guess Kareem Hunt's a free agent, but Kareem Hunt, he did. You're, you're kidding me, right? He said John Gruden didn't get fired for over less. Are you kidding me? Did you read those emails? What is going on right now? Am I am I, where, what, am I in the twilight zone? <laughs> Do you, you realize what he said about Demar Smith? Am I like am I in the twilight zone? <sighs> I I got to get off this topic. I swear, because it gets me heated and gets me fired up every time we bring it up, and we're we're just gonna make excuses, right? Like every year, Mike Tomlin's on the friggin' hot seat. Guys never lost, had a losing season ever. Yeah, you know. I don't get that. That's wild to me that they're really talking about Mike Tomlin. He's about as consistent of a coach as there is outside of, I guess, Belichick or whatever. But there's not a lot better in the NFL than Mike Tomlin. Talk about an ice cold seat. And <laughs> Mike Tomlin's not going nowhere. That's what it should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, to that stadium. Um, I don't know. I just in 1990 he was suspended for one game for shoving a firefighter. In 1993, he allegedly grabbed a female parking attendant and threatened her uh, at the University of Colorado. So why are we? This is what we're talking about. Like ah, I can't. Uh, There's been many players and coaches who have done worse who have had careers successful big part careers in the nfl and any other sport yes you are correct okay well uh any other coaches that we want to mention for being on the hot seat before we get off the topic because i swear these comments are just going to be continuously annoying me that's okay i like like the mike mccarthy take i think that's a really good one i like that one a lot mo let me ask you a question real quick this offseason let's just kind of add on to this how many coaches at the end of this season between the, the start of game one till the middle, say, let's say the beginning of next season. How many coaching changes do you think there will be from these from twenty from opening day this year to opening day next year? I'm gonna say it at a minimum seven. That's a high number. We always think seven. We always think eight, and it ends up being five, four. I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm gonna say at least six or seven. I'm not disagreeing with you. There's at least seven coaches. Yeah. That need to lose their job. I'll tell you right now, watch out for this. If Minnesota has a great defense this year, the Minnesota Vikings have a great defense this year. 
I, I promise you Brian Flores will be a head coach next year. Because their defense was awful last year. And he went over there to be their DC. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Uh, his poor interviews. I'm not in those interviews, bro. I don't like I yeah. get uh, I'm not in those interviews. I, I feel <laughs> I feel like if he interviewed so poorly, like something would have had to came out about how it is. Like you know how much rumors and leaks there is over different things like that. If he interviewed horribly or said something horribly, I'm pretty sure we would find out what it was by now. Well, Atlanta I think it's just it's did. just a smokescreen. Oh, did Atlanta they? said he interviewed poorly. Atlanta oh, okay. said and I can't take away from what Arthur Blank has done, if I'm being completely honest with you. However, one we talk about a bad interview. How about a bad GM that shows up drunk to an interview like John Elway did for Brian yeah. Flores' interview in Denver? Yeah. We don't hear nothing about that. I don't know. I'm I'm done. I'm getting off my off my soapbox today. <laughs> Any other coaches that you feel like that should be on the hop seat that haven't been mentioned? Uh, most said seven coaches next year, and I, I tend to agree with them. I mean, Brandon Staley will not get a re- will not get renewed because he's not going to get fired. Essentially, mm-hmm. his, his contract ends this year. Ron Rivera will not be in Washington next year unless they really take off this year. Todd Bowles won't be in in Tampa Bay. I could see Stefanski if the Browns don't make the playoffs or Deshaun Watson doesn't take a step forward. I could definitely see Eberflus if the Bears don't win eight games, seven games. I could see McCarthy if the Cowboys don't win a playoff game. That's six wow. right there. I think I could see McVay retiring again or doing that thing where I don't want to coach because I don't have a football team. It's a lot of situations. Fox deal. Yeah. Just just information. Uh, and we forgot Josh McDaniels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The biggest joke sure of them all. all about him. <laughs> He Josh was one that I, uh, I was seeing, but I didn't write him down. Josh McDaniels inherited a better team than Rich Bisaccio had just taken to the playoffs. He yeah. basically took Rich Bisaccio's team, added Devontae Adams, and was like, well, it takes time. What do you mean it takes time? Rich Bisaccio just had that team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard about the Jim Caldwell thing when he, when he got fired after taking the Lions to the playoffs. How many times have the Lions have been in the playoffs since Jim Caldwell? Oh, I'll help Zero. you. Zero. Yeah. Their closest chance was last year. Go Seahawks. Yo, the Seahawks cost me a lot of money that game. <laughs> I had the three-team upset we talked about on pregame at Pigskin. I put the $100 on all three money line dogs on the last Sunday of the week. And, man, <laughs> that would have been a nice payday. Sorry about that. All right, let's get the topic. Robert Sala, which that's probably the Aaron Rodgers effect, Mm -hmm. I guess, if you're really going to put him on there. Yeah, I think it it could be something they would think about, especially if the Jets flop, like, badly. But I don't know. If Rodgers is going to stay for two years, they're going to keep Sala for two years. I also feel like that if – I feel like you could say that if the team flops, a lot of coaches could be on a hot seat, right? Like, so just let let me give you an example of what I mean, right? If the Baltimore Ravens have like a four and thirteen season or a five and twelve season, you don't think John Harbaugh is going to get fired? And he's, I don't think he'll get fired, but definitely he'll be like he'll be one of those ones that it's like, ooh, maybe, maybe they're talking about it. I don't know. I just feel like when you look at uh, 
you look at all those situations that are around the NFL, if this team flops, I, I, I think that if I'm being perfectly honest with you, I could really see uh, our defensive coordinator from last year that took over Arizona's job. I don't know why names aren't coming to me tonight. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. The D coordinator from the – Jonathan Gannon. I can really see Jonathan Gannon being a one-and-done in Arizona. How many games do you think that team's going to win? They've done it before. I give him two. Kyler's going to come back in, like, November and win one. That'll be it. All right, well, let's stay in the NFL for topic two. Dylan, you have a very good, very, very good topic. So why don't you bring up topic two? So how this topic came about is Austin Eckler made a comment about the running back market being undervalued. Um, He feels like they do a lot of production for the offense, which I agree with, and they're being paid less than some backup receivers. Um, When I go on my turn, I have a whole list of backup receivers, and we're going to play Austin Eckler or, just so you know how many players are getting paid more than Austin Eckler, just decide who would you want. And then just basically we talk about why the running backs are underpaid or – yeah, basically, why are the running backs underpaid? Do you think they're undervalued, or do you think they should be valued more? Okay. You tell the order, sir. So, all right. So, you know, I'll, I'll start since I have this list. I'll make it easy. So, first, like I said, Austin Eckler came out. He said he was being paid less than backup receivers. So, we're going to play a game of Austin Eckler, or I'm going to start off with some bigger name receivers. You're going to see if you would want him or the other player, and then I'm going to tell you their contract disparities, meaning that this player gets paid this much more than whatever, or I'll just tell you the total amount. So, for example, who would you rather have, Austin Eckler or Amari Cooper? I mean, Austin Eckler. Exactly. Austin Eckler gets paid $13 million less dollars than Amari Cooper. <laughs> you know, it's not 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 crazy. We'll, we'll go to a different one. Um, how about Marquise Brown or Austin Eckler? Uh, I'm taking Austin Eckler over Hollywood all day. Yeah, exactly. So how come Marquise Brown makes $5 million more million than Austin Eckler does? Seems weird. What about this one? You're going to like this one, Kyle. Jonu Smith or Austin Eckler? <laughs> hey, that, that's Atlanta's problem now. Uh, it is. Eckler. Exactly. He gets paid $4 million more million than Austin Eckler does. So w- with the production, with different things like that, so why is this running back position getting undervalued? They take about 30 to 50% of the production of just plays in general. That's not going to these different receivers. They're, 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 they're the bell cow. They're the ones who set up those big plays. You know, if you see a 50-yard pass, there's probably a couple of four, five, six-yard runs that set it up beforehand. They're getting undervalued. They're getting run to the ground just for cheaper options as a backup. Um, teams see these rookies and be like, he might not be as good as so-and-so player. They might not be as good as that player. But, you know, I could save about $8 million, spend it on a crappy receiver like Corey Davis, who makes $2 million more than Austin Eckler does. And then we don't have to worry about it. I, I, I feel like the running back market is severely undervalued. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at them, if you look at a, 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 a train gonna... conductor, for example, a train conductor, you, you have the conductor, which could be your quarterback, but the one who's steaming, who's putting the coal in that steam engine over there, that's the running back. He's getting the offensive there. The quarterback's just the one just conducting it, taking it all the way there. I... I do some. I, I don't. I don't know. It's something I'm passionate about. Just looking at these receiver contracts just like made me upset that like someone like you know Saquon Barkley who didn't get a larger deal, Josh Jacobs who ran for 1,400 yards last season didn't get a larger deal, or even someone like Austin Eckler who had 18 total touchdowns last year. None of those guys had anywhere near that last year, and they're all making tens to 15 more millions more than any of these guys. Even so some why, of the dudes I mentioned. 
why you make a good point about running backs being underpaid, there's a reason for it. And I'm going to be the guy that says the reason, and I'm going to be the guy that gets the crap, and that's okay. I would never pay a running back. Never. Wouldn't pay any of them. I'm not paying any of them at all anything that they think they're worth. I think Philadelphia figured it out. I think San Fran fit well. What they did with Christian McCaffrey, it makes sense. Christian McCaffrey already had his contract in place, right. but that's not the point. I mean, I think teams figured it out that he you makes can't the same pay amount Corey Davis. CMC makes the same amount as Corey Davis, though. So that's what just I'm Yeah, but sorry. it doesn't matter. You want one all right. So I went back three years and I went through the five biggest running back contracts from 2020 because you can kind of see how they evolved, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's just go through it real quick. Do you think Zeke was worth the money he was paid? Do you no. think he lived up to the contract? Not even no. close. Okay. How about Todd Gurley? That was the second biggest contract. That was even worse. Yeah. How about Lev Bell in for the Jets? Yeah, yeah. nothing. David Johnson, $13 million a year. Was that from the Texans? No, it was from the Cardinals. Oh, from the Cardinals. Cardinals. I was, oh, you went back. That's right. That's what I said. So, no, none of them? Yeah. No. None of them. They're all getting paid $13 million plus a year to be bad. So here's the problem, right? Running backs have a very short shelf life. It doesn't matter how good you are now. The only time a running back is good is during their, their rookie contract. That's the only time they live up to the money they're being paid. When they get when they you give me examples of running backs that sign huge contracts that have worked out long term. Nick Chubb. Okay. He's literally just signed a contract, what, twenty twenty one? So he's two uh... years in. I'm not sure how long Aaron Jones, if Aaron Jones just resigned, but I know he's he signed like the, 2021 offseason and they're okay. already replacing him. True. Oh, is they, um, they have a running yeah. back by committee? AJ, him and well, AJ. Dillon. I wasn't sure if AJ Dillon was like drafted that. I, I, I was, I was just thought he was drafted that same year they gave him that extension. He like, was, he was. That's accurate. Third um, round draft pick, but Aaron Jones makes forty six million dollars on his contract. I mean, I guess you could say Christian McCaffrey. But he got 14. Christian McCaffrey. He got it from Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about Derrick Henry, but. See, the King is different, right? The King is different. The the King never signed a huge contract because he wasn't good until he signed his contract. If you remember the beginning of Derrick Henry's career, he was terrible. He'd be terrible for the first 10 games of the season. Then he'd blow up in weeks 11, 12, and 13 because everyone was tired out and they would get colder and then he would be fine. But Derrick Henry's only been great for the last three, four years, if I'm being honest. But, yes, you're right. Derrick Henry's the only one worth considering. I agree with that. You think Dalvin Cook's worth the money? You think teams are lining up to sign Dalvin Cook? Well, it, well, I, I think the reason – so, like, more on to my point, I think the reason it is because they can get cheaper. They look at Zeke. They look at Cook. They look at so many of these veteran running backs, and they go, mm, we could just spend that money uh, elsewhere – you're correct. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's for these upper tier echelon guys, like someone like you know, like running for fourteen hundred yards and not getting anything seems a little garbage. I mean, it's not, it's uh, not about them not getting anything. Saquon Barkley won sixteen million dollars a year, and he didn't play two in the last four years. I, like yes, last year he was great, and I and I want dude. I'm a Saquon fan. He's a Penn State kid, I mean, but like he wants sixteen million dollars a year. And he, and he hasn't played two of the last four years. Josh Jacobs was cuttable last year, 
before last year's season, people yeah. are talking about who's the kid they drafted behind him that would that uh, is Zemir White. Zemir White was going to take his job and train him. So like and, and they played him in the Hall of Fame game. They started Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game in the preseason to make sure he was correct. up to par. You are absolutely correct. I'm now I'm a, now I'm address Austin Eckler, one of my favorite guys in the league, one of the most fan favorite fan friendly guys in the league. The guy is all about fantasy football. If you send him that you won and he's on your fantasy team, he signs you a send you a signed football. He's a great guy, right? I'm, I'm not here to, to shit on Austin Eckler. I love Austin Eckler, but there's 15 running backs, running backs in the league. I would take over him. 15. I'm not talking about what he does in the passing game. In my opinion, Austin Eckler is a glorified James White. That's who he is. He's a pass-catching back. That's all he is. Between the tackles, you rather have him or Travis Etienne? Etienne. Him or Brees Hall? Maybe Brees Hall can come back from his injury. Probably good. Probably. Talking about rookie running back. I'm not even trying to. Maybe. I'd rather have Javante Williams coming off a knee injury than Austin Eckler. Running between the tackles. I'm not talking about his pass catching ability, but as a running back, he's not top 15 in the league. You, your thoughts, Mo? You guys covered it. Their shelf lives are so short. I mean, think about the other positions: a receiver, quarterbacks. They hit their primes late 20s. They can play into their well into their 30s. The the value of the quarterback has increased the value of the receiver. Franchises are looking at running backs and saying, this guy's a 1,200-yard back. He might get us three or 400 yards in the passing game, but he wants $13, $14 million, and he's 27, 28 years old with mileage on his body. He's very replaceable. They're going to apply that money to the positions that hurt or help your franchises the most. Cornerbacks, defensive ends, left tackles, they have more value. As, as, as tough as it is to say, a running back like Saquon Barkley, as gifted as he is, he wants $16 million, but he's only proven just this past season that he could hold up. He's not, dur- he's not He doesn't have a history of being durable. As talented as he is, I wouldn't pay a running back that much money, especially if you look at how the, the Giants are built. Saquon Barkley on the Giants? His career is it, it, it's set to be even that much shorter because he doesn't have a quarterback that puts fear in the defenses. The the best thing when you look at the way football is right now is running backs are just they're just so they're just so movable. They don't have the value they had in the 80s, maybe even the early 90s. Derek Henry is an exception to the rule. He's kind of a throwback. The guy that carries the ball 30, 35 times a game, a bell, a bell cow, they don't have those kind of backs anymore. He's an exception to the rule, but as the game has evolved, has it become a more quarterback-dominated league? It's watered down the running back value, uh, and that's just the way – I don't think that's going to change. When we were in our first segment, you were talking about defensive-minded coaches. Defensive-minded coaches love running games. They they love old-school three yards in a cloud of dust and play defense. I think that style of football doesn't win anymore, and the value of the running back – where we are now, it just isn't what it once was. You know, it's funny you say that, Mo, because I had a I had a kill shot if somebody wanted to argue, and I know you don't want to because you're on the same page as me, but I had a kill shot, and I was waiting to use it, so I might as well use it. Kai, you want to argue with me? 
I mean, you think that I'm, I'm wrong here? I'm a Patriots fan, and Belichick never pays court, never pays running back. So I'm I'm right there with you. Look, they just got rid of Damian Harris because Ramondre Stevenson is younger, cheaper, and you could argue a better running back. Now it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that, right? Mm-hmm. I want to read something to you real quick, just for the fun of it. Tyler Algier signed a four-year, $3.9 million contract with the Atlanta Falcons, including a $330,000 signing bonus. Joe Mixon uh, was scheduled to make $12.8 million this year. He restructured to make ten point one. Want to play a game? Who had a better season last year? Tyler Algier or Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had 210 carries. Tyler Algier had 210 carries. Joe Mixon plays with a good quarterback. Tyler Algier does not play with a good quarterback. Joe Mixon plays with a team that has a a vertical passing game and a team that wins football games, so you'd assume the running back would be used more. Tyler Algier plays on a team that won four games, and you'd assume they would pass more. They both ran the ball 210 times. Joe Mixon ran for 814 yards at 3.9 yards per carry. Tyler Algier ran for 1,035 yards with 4.9 yards per carry. Why am I paying one guy $12 million when the other guy's making less than a million? It's not the running back's fault. It's just... I, I I get your point and I get it. I, I just have a big problem with just like these franchises running these running backs into the ground because they know they can get as much use as it amount of their rookie contract and then just letting them go. It's like, for example, if Tyler Algier after his rookie contract, if the Falcons went, we want a different guy, but he can get another thousand, maybe in maybe a couple more thousand close 600, 700, 800 yards. And he's only making $4 million. He's probably had more offensive production for his team than someone like Corey Davis is going to have or someone like any of these overpaid receivers. So it just bothers me a little bit like some of these running backs are producing more than some of these guys who are getting way bigger contracts like some of these receivers or tight ends. They are just not getting compensated. Value value over replacement. That's the issue. Dylan, the value over replacement is nothing. Cincinnati was going to be perfectly content starting Samaji P. Ryan to be their starting running back this year if Joe Mixon didn't restructure his contract. They were going to cut him. Have fun, Joe. Figure well, it P. Ryan, out. P. Ryan's on the Broncos, so it's whoever's there. Sorry, Chris uh, would mean Chris Harris. Evans. Evans. Chris Evans yeah. from Michigan. My point being is they were fine. They didn't care. We're not paying you, Joe. We need T. Higgins. That's exactly what they yeah. said. I was just about to say that because remember, everybody was like, oh, they can't afford T. Higgins. And the Bengals owner was like, no, we're keeping our wide receivers. We're going to make sure they get paid. And we're going to sign Joe Burrow, too. And everybody knew. I, I, get, your guys's left out Joe I get your guys' points. It's just like you brought up Tyler I. Joe. It would suck if he had like 3,000 total, like 3,000 rushing yards by the end of his rookie contract and then didn't get paid because he had like one injury at one point. Yeah, it would you're suck. right. But you're right. But here's the problem, right? Let's look at all the all the places that paid running backs. Look what Dallas did to DeMarco Murray. They ran him for four hundred yard four hundred times. He he had the the he was the rushing leader for the entire year. Philadelphia signed him to a big contract. One year into the contract, they're like, we're done with this. Hey, you want him, Tennessee? Let's get rid of him. We'll give you a fourth round pick just to take take his contract off our books. It, it happens with everyone. They don't pay him because they. 
they don't live up to the contract. It's not about what you do. You know what the funny thing is this, right? The CBA can kind of fix it by paying running backs more on their rookie deals. They could do that. Sure. By allowing running backs to make more money on their rookie contract. But the shelf life on running backs are too small. And the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow a player to get paid until they prove it. It's just the way it's set up. The maximum money that it uh, – and it, it's different for positions. So they, they can change that for positional. Like quarterbacks make more money in the first round of draft than running backs do or wide receivers do. They, they mean, use scale. Look at the franchise tag, for example. All of them are different valued because of what's just based off of like the highest contracts. Like for the example, the franchise tag, it's only $10 million. But if you look at a quarterback franchise tag, it's thirty six. So, you're right. I, I, just all I ask you to do is, when you're looking at this situation and breaking it down, find me successful running back contracts that I can look at as comparison. Because you're not paying running backs for what they did. This isn't a lifetime achievement award. You're paying them for what they're going to do during that contract. And good general managers and good football teams understand that you cannot pay a quarterback and a running back. I think part of the reason San Francisco successfully pays Christian McCaffrey is because they have no money invested in the quarterback position right now. None. They have Mr. Irrelevant as their starting quarterback right now. Guy's making Dorito money. It, it, look at good teams in football, right? Give me like, – who are the best five teams in football? You got the Chiefs. They're paying Pacheco peanuts. You got the Bengals. They're like, hey, we need to get rid of Joe Mixon's contract because this is crazy. The Buffalo Bills don't pay a running back. They got Zach yeah, Moss. Let, and Yeah, they let Singletary walk to the Texans because they said we don't need you. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles have four running backs making a total of $6 million. They got Swift, Penny, Scott, and Gainwell. Their total $6 million. Miles Sanders by himself is making $6 million. Yeah. You tell me who you'd rather have. You want Miles Sanders? You want the other four? I'll take the other four, and I ain't got to invest nothing in my running back room. It's just facts, right? And that's the problem that facts get in the way of feelings. We all feel bad for these running backs that get ran into the ground and then don't get paid. I feel bad for them. Saquon Barkley deserves a contract. I would have took the $14 million the team offered me, though, because you're never going to get it. Don't be Lev Bell. Don't be Lev Bell. That's all I can ask you. Don't be Lev Bell. Any other comments, gentlemen? No, I hear it. I feel like I'm arguing with myself. Damn it, man. I must have, right, do I just said, call you I'm, a meme? I'm kidding. I'm from that's what I said. I'm from you know, seeing the Patriots not pay running backs, and I learned a while ago there's really no need to. You can draft a guy third, fourth, fifth round, draft a couple of them. You'll hit on one of them at least. And if not, you just split time with them while you build with your quarterback, your wide receivers, and your linemen. I just think the, the Ezekiel Elliott thing killed it for everybody. Because once that deal started getting worse and worse, teams were like, we cannot be Dallas. Like, how far in that contract did we know Tony Pollard was a better running back? <laughs> Two years ago. Yeah. But they had to keep Zeke because he's making so much money. Like, teams don't want to be in that situation anymore. Todd Gurley, the Rams cut it out quick. Todd Gurley signed a massive contract with the Rams. Then he had irreparable knee damage. Sorry, bro. 
Good luck. He's not in the league anymore, bro. Uh, he went to Atlanta, and that was it for a yep. season. He's not in the league anymore. All right, we got two more questions on the agenda, and we're halfway <clears> through <throat> the show. So, next question on the agenda, my man Mo, my guy. Oh, you want to do? I'll do mine. I'll do mine. My man Mo came up with, I think, is one of the funniest and best questions our show's ever had. Yeah, mostly. Read it off to us. So, my question is, what sports takes drive you crazy every time you hear them? <laughs> and I, I think we all have them. We've all heard them. Um, I, there's too many for me to go at. But a good example for me, the one I've heard so many times that drives me crazy is that Kobe was carried by Shaq. That that drives me crazy. It doesn't drive me as crazy as the how many titles does Scotty uh, does Michael Jordan have without Scotty Pippen? That that one drives me crazy. It's the same amount of titles as Isaiah has without Dumars and Vinny Johnson and Rodman. The same amount of titles as Bird doesn't have without Mikhail and Parrish. The same amount of titles as Steph doesn't have with Draymond and Clay. Same amount of titles as KD didn't have with Steph. You could go on down the line with that, but that's one of the more tired, lazy takes, and it, it's used ad nauseum. Uh, another one is, and it's a fictional one, Scottie Pippen was – he was one bad call away from going to an NBA Finals. And the what? reality was he was one bad call away from getting to a conference semifinals or getting out the second round. That was the factual. I got one. I mean, I, when I heard this, I thought you meant like overused expressions like this guy's going to be elite or this guy's getting. Oh, that's good. Those are good too. My, my favorite, my favorite one of those, and I'll, I'll get into my over the one that you're basically what you're talking about. My favorite one of those is about quarterbacks. Well, he can make all the throws. Okay. I hate that expression. I can't stand that expression. It's a dumb expression, but that's okay. You want to talk about. Horrible sports takes. I can't stand when they're like, well, Ohio State quarterbacks just are never good. I hate that. I can't stand why. So if a quarterback chooses to go to Ohio State, because it used to be Alabama quarterbacks are no good. You guys remember that? Ken Dorsey days. And then all of a sudden that stigma is gone. But, oh, I, he can't be good. He's from Ohio State. Man, I feel nope. like that's the whole SEC. Well, that's okay. But, but you want to hear something funny? Where do you think Joe Burrow started? college at Ohio State Justin Fields a lot of people don't know that Joe Burrow started at Ohio State so why because a quarterback chooses to play in Ohio State system and it can't be good that's a stupid statement I don't I can't stand it oh another one remember remember when Duke basketball Duke players are always busts they're always busts in the league I remember that. Christian Leitner JJ Raddick like all those guys that come out of Duke, they're always busts. They're always busts. And then Jason Tatum said, "Oh, please take this, sir. Yes, sir. May I have another?" And then the last thing I want to talk about with sports takes is anything Skip Bayless says. <laughs> I'm going to give you an example of what I mean because I was prepared, and I love always bashing on Skip. Skip's worst takes. So I have them up right here. The worst takes Skip Bayless has ever had. And I want to read some of them out loud because I think this would be somewhat comedy. Um, let's start with January 2nd of 2023. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude? 
is crucial to regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant about DeMar Hamlin. Again, I think Cam Newton can be a good NFL quarterback, but I think Tim Tebow can be a little better. Long-term, give me Josh Freeman over Cam. Better leader, more consistent passer, more clutch, more poised under fire. I'll take Josh Josh Freeman with someone. Johnny Football will one day be bigger in Cleveland than his buddy LeBron James ever was. I remember that one. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Von Miller is overrated. I didn't love him in A&M. Disappeared in too many big games, and he's Denver's real MVP. Tim Tebow, the most polarizing athlete ever. Eric Fisher will prove to be much better NFL NBA head coach than Steve Kerr. Brandon Whedon, much better than Tannehill, will soon beat out Cole and have six to seven good years of Tiedrich, Trent Richardson. Uh, Jerry Jones is covering his backside by not reg- by regret regretting not landing Paxton Lynch. He should be more worried about Dak Prescott over Car- uh, Cardell Jones. He said Manti Teo is next Ray Lewis. These are all. I remember that one. I remember that (laughs) one. I'll never get over that Johnny Manziel one to this day. Oh, the Johnny Manziel one is even better. So anything Skip says would be on my list. (laughs) (laughs) George. Remember he told Shannon that Tebow could block better than him. Oh, Max does have the worst one of all time. This is absolutely correct. Max Kellerman's Fate of the Universe, one shot. Oh, the Martians shot. have the death beam. He wants Iguodala over Steph Curry. <laughs> I want Iguodala. Um, Fate of the Universe. Come on, Max. Kyle, the one you have on the screen is great. I mean, he did it for like five, six seasons calling this clip thing, which, and he, I mean, he believed it. I gave him credit the first time when he predicted it, but then the fact that he kept running it back, even though Brady was clearly not anywhere near it, Cliff. I, look, I get it. Some of these TV guys, they, I feel like they kind of say some stuff just to, you know, click some ratings up. Yeah. So I, I cannot believe that he actually believed that Brady's going to fall off the cliff. I just don't. I mean, I think he believed it, and I think he tried to keep running with the take as long as he possibly could. It's like, one year it's going to hit. Guys, I'll be honest with you. I had two I had two terrible takes, but I'm okay with that, right? I'm, I'm all right with being wrong. I said Justin Blackman. I don't know how many of you guys remember Justin oh, Blackman. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma State. Justin, Justin Blackman is the next Terrell Owens. He'll be far better than the receivers that were taken before him, A.J. Green and Julio Jones. Oh, Blackman was good in college, though. Yeah, I, was, I thought Blackman was going to be good, too. Listen, I get bad takes, and it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, I'm okay with admitting them. Like, I'm not standing on this hill until it dies. I, I just can't. I love Justin Blackman. I thought he was incredible at Oklahoma State. I did as well. I lived yeah. in Oklahoma. Trust me. Dylan, what's your some of your takes? Some of the takes. So, so this was – I didn't – I guess I didn't – 
fully understand the question, so I only really had one. Um, one, I don't... Well, I guess two. I have two. Rings versus accolades. Um, personal accolades, I should say, is not something I'm big in. I'm all about if I play a sport, it's a team game at the end of the day. So I care more about a player's rings. I care more about winning championships. I care more about that than personal accolades. And I get personal accolades make who's like a GOAT comment or different things like that. But overall, I would definitely overvalue someone who has a lot more rings than someone who has just a lot of NBA, like all-star appearances or different things like that. I don't know. Uh, That's something that bothers me. And then the new school versus old school take. Um, Like the people saying like this night. Like people saying, like this 1980s team could beat this 2023 team today. Probably not. No, a lot of these guys are bigger, stronger, faster, have more tape, more different recovery systems, and so many different other things that I find it hard to believe when a lot of people say, like this 1980s basketball team could beat this 2021 team. It's like probably not. It'd probably get washed, actually. Um, different things like that. I don't know. It was that question was a little rough for me to understand, but those are two takes that I just never really like anytime i see someone say like 80s team's gonna be the 2000s team i'm like probably not no well all right so let me kind of defend that one for a minute i'm not saying the 80s teams would beat the 2000 teams i'm not saying the 86 lakers or the 87 lakers would beat the 2023 or 2022 warriors it's not what i'm saying because you're right they the athletes down today are bigger stronger faster i get it but in terms of greatness when you look at them compared to their to their adversaries, to the people that they played against. Like, so if, all right, so if you made an argument that LeBron James would beat Michael Jordan one on one in basketball, prime versus prime, I could hear that, right? LeBron James is 6'9. He runs like a deer. He's the most athletic specimen we might ever see. Doesn't mean he was a greater player than Michael Jordan was because he's not, right? So we could look at things one way or the other, but I will say this. The game was played differently. You look, at, you look at hockey. In the 80s and the 90s, you you had a checking line. Do you know what a checking line is? Mm-hmm. It's your fourth line that you send out there to go out there and hurt some people. Yep. They don't have that no more. There's no space for it. Because when you threw the checking line on the field, on the, on the ring, Teams just threw their fastest skaters out there and skated around you and scored goals. The game has evolved, and it's evolved differently. However, I, I, I still do it comparatively versus their time. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I think that's the way I would do it, too, comparatively. Um, yeah, of course you can say the guys are bigger, stronger, faster today, but, but are they really? Are they really? Yes. Steph's not a physical freak. James Harden's the MVP. He's not a physical freak. He's a doughboy. Uh, there are a lot. Some of the best players in today' game aren't physical freaks. Giannis is unique. LeBron might be the most unique athlete we ever seen. KD is unique, but Shaq's a product of '92. He's a he's a product of '92. There's been no one bigger, stronger, or more athletic at his position since him. I don't know if they're all bigger and stronger. I do think yeah, they're more. Yeah. I do think they're more skilled, and I think the game has evolved to where it is more about skill than athleticism. So I can see that, but I don't know if you took a certain team and matched them up with a team today, and they played under the same rules, that it wouldn't be a competitive game. I want to argue today, so I'm going to say something really blasphemous to see if I can get Mo to argue with me. 
and I believe this take. Like, I don't think this take is a bad take. If Prime Shaq came back in today's game, he would be a defensive liability. Oh, you won't he get would, me to argue. I, I thought he was a defensive liability in his prime back in the day. And what I say, I, I still think he'd score at will. I still think he would dominate yeah, the game. Sure. Okay. I just think he would get so destroyed in the pick and roll. And in any type of in today's in today's NBA, if you had a, a screener, if you had that two man game that Jamal Murray and Jokic played, he would get abused. It would be so bad. He'd be unplayable in some series. He he doesn't like to play in space. He never has. I he could not play against somebody like Joker. Uh, he, he, one, he's not going to come out. So Joker's going to have ba- basically his choice of what to do: shoot the J. Or slide over, set a screen for Jamal coming off a pin down. Like Shaq would not be able to play against the better offenses. If they played against the Warriors, he'd probably get 50, but they would abuse him on the other hand, just moving around because he couldn't play in space. Okay. I look creative defensively, whether it's some type of box type set where you purposely are keeping them kind of around the basket, but I think offenses today would you know, chew that up very quickly. I uh, I look at what Coach said, and I listen to a lot of you guys, and I just look at what the Clippers did to Rudy Gobert two years ago. Uh-huh. And it was just like he won defensive player of the year, and they made him an absolute liability in the paint. Uh-huh. The game is just played differently. And I think it sounds so funny, but I think Toronto, and no one thinks this way, but I think Toronto – has the blueprint of what the next level of NBA basketball is going to look like. They're going to have five, six, seven to six, nine wings. One that's going to play point guard. One that's going to play center and they're going to play switch everything. They're going to play fast up court basketball. Like that's the way to build your franchise. Give me five guys that are six, seven to six, nine, all athletic, all can switch on any pick and roll. Guys, look what Draymond Green did to Joker two years ago in the playoffs. And I love Joker. Just saying. Like, Draymond Green stuck him. 6'9". I'll, I'll take him. Did fine job. I think that's what the NBA is moving towards. I really believe that. Kyle, what's your, some overused phrases or some phrases you can't stand? Well, for me, it's kind of what we saw with the NFL, where if they wanted to... I don't know, kind of diminish a play a player's accomplishments. They called them a system quarterback. Whereas other quarterbacks, they would never use that term, even though technically your quarterback kind of makes whatever system you're going to run. Every quarterback runs a system. It's not like they just go out there and just drop a play on their hand and then go and run it. They're either running some type of West Coast system or spread offense or whatever. And I hated hearing that, like, year in and year out. They'd be like, you know, Peyton Man is the greatest because this other guy is just a system quarterback. And I, I still – Who is I this just, other guy? Sounds personal. I'm, I'm just <laughs> saying. Play, I was talking radio all the time and, you know. <laughs> That's funny. And I, I, I feel I, like I knew that was a little personal. People. It was. You know, I had to <laughs> kind of go to some people every once in a while whenever I heard that. And it's just – it just was one of the biggest ones that always got under my skin was the whole system quarterback thing. I just did. I just never understood it. So when Mo brought this question up, 
That's the one that automatically popped in my head. He can make all the throws. <laughs> Thanks, Zach Wilson. Yes. Malik Willis. Kyle Trask. They can make all the throws, though. Right. Do you know who couldn't make all the throws? Tom Brady. Remember Tom Brady's scouting report? Remember, remember him at the Combine. That's all yeah. I said. I remember the Combine video. Yeah. You never seen a scouting report? No, I don't think I remember. I think I remember seeing it before, but I don't remember what was always said. But it was like just basically just talking crap on how like wouldn't be good. I'm pretty okay, sure so I saw Todd McShay's as well. Not Todd McShay's, but uh, Mel Kuyper's report. Yep. yep. Small, small experience, big time signal caller. Getting very high grades in the efficiency department this past season. Brady cut, Brady cut his interception total in half from 98 to, to 99. Tossing 20 touchdown passes uh, compared to six interceptions. He's a straight drop back passer who stands tall in the pocket. Doesn't show nervous feet. Does a nice job working through his progressions. He's not going to try to force the action, rarely trying to perform beyond his capability. Uh, I'm looking for the the full. There's a there's one that uh, that has him that's so bad. Basically, oh here it is. Lacks great. I, I found it. Scouting report claimed. Here it is. Poor build, skinny. Lacks great physical stature and strength. And gets knocked down easily. Uh, also said he, he will not ad lib, does not throw a tight spiral. Uh, like they have so many like poor takes on Tom Brady, and and for for Patriots fans to pretend that they got it right, they're wrong too. If you knew what Tom Brady was going to be, you wouldn't have took him in the sixth round. Anyone, anybody, not unless you follow that dude for, through college or have like some sort of personal like for them. Any dude you draft in like the sixth, seventh round, you're not like, that's a game changer. Like he is going to wreck, unless it was one of those talents that dropped because of injury. Um, yeah. I mean, too many, too many damn Seahawks fans. Marlon Bradley's another Seahawk fan. I got, I got two in the chat and I got me. I like, uh, I'm just kidding. Gotta roll deep. Any final comments on uh, comments or quotes or, takes that that piss you off i mean you kind of no, I, I think i'm gonna go away. home with the um I, I, i'll be say, saying this in my head till tomorrow gene he can make all the throws <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't i'm not gonna be able to let that one go i can't i hate that there's so many quarterbacks that can't jalen hurts cannot make all the throws no he can tom brady couldn't i'll take them over jeff george and Ryan Leaf all day. They can make all the throws. Couldn't make an NFL roster. Right. Man, remember remember the hype over uh what was the guy that didn't read his playbook? Jamarcus Russell. Yes. Remember yeah. the hype over him? He could throw the ball 80 yards from his feet, 60 yards from his knees, and 50 yards from his ass. I don't care. <laughs> Do you, I, I'll never forget that they pulled the old okie doke on him with the playbooks. Yep. <laughs> Go home. They sent him home with a bunch of blank tapes. I was like, yeah, study these and let us know how they – yeah, it was great. I really loved the nickel coverage and sent him home with a bunch of blank tapes. <laughs> Wild. 
All right, last last topic of the night before we got the big time show. Uh, look at my man Ryan in the chat. My man Ryan. Lamar good, can't throw. He's a, he's a Ravens fan. Ryan's awesome. All right, so my question, this was the, the Gene Walzak question of the week, was what, like, who was the best fan base in sports? We talked about this yesterday on a show. We did an impromptu show yesterday. Are the Eagles the worst fan base in sports? I'm not going to approach this negatively. And you can't say your own, right? Like, Mo can't say, oh, the Lakers basketball, like, can't do it. You have to give me We're the best the fan base. Sorry, you have to give me your best fan base in sports. Uh, you can give me multiple ones. I'll start. I'll show you what I mean. In baseball, you can't look anywhere except baseball heaven, St. Louis fans, Cardinals fans. That's what it's I have. Just, it's baseball heaven, right? They're always supporting their team. They're always selling out, whether they're good or bad. How about how about football? There, is there any better fans than fans that own the team, investment into the team? How about the Lambo? Lambeau Field, Green Bay Packers fans. Now, I left a lot of big ones on the table, including the one that's sitting right in front of your faces, the Cameron Crazies. I left a lot of big college ones on the field, too. But who, in your opinion, is the best fan base in sports? Kyle, start us off. Uh, This was an interesting one because I did think of the Cardinals as well for baseball. I'll start with my football one. So for me, this is a fan base I kind of see a lot within the division. I kind of respect Bills Mafia. I mean, uh, they have their moments where they kind of do some wild stuff with the stands, but you know, the tailgating, the jumping on the tables, the you know, when was it Andy Dalton led yep. a team to a win then, that got them into the playoffs? They donated to his, and like, they've done that for a couple of different things. Yeah, they've done it for a few players, and. and and it's, it's a fan base that I used to hate for a while because they, you know, when their teams are really good, they were usually pains in the Patriots side. But now I definitely respect Bills fans, Bills Mafia. So that's my football team. Baseball. And this one might be because of the Red Sox going through such a long drought. I think Cubs fans. And well, outside of the Bartman thing, because that was probably their lowest moment, but. For them to go through the period of the time that they went through, much like the Red Sox, and constantly show up, constantly have their hopes ripped up, you know, ripped away from them when the team would get eliminated or whatever. You know, love seeing when home runs are hit, the guys throwing it back on the field, which happens everywhere. But when you see that Wrigley Field, it just seems a little bit different. So those are mine that that I'd go with the Bills and the Cubs. So I want to make a comment on the Cubs thing. And you said Bartman. You brought that up. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you right now, that is so over. Right, listen, what happened to Bartman was terrible. Mm -hmm. you, you studied it and read it. I feel terrible for the guy. He obviously didn't mean to cost his team in that situation. But that is so overblown because if that, like, don't give Chicago fans crap for that. That happened in any city in America. And like, like Kyle, I, I won't even use Philadelphia. If that happened at Fenway Park, oh, that'd been a fight. <laughs> that guy might not have made it home. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's right, but like, let's not just put that on Chicago fans. Yeah, absolutely, it's not Chicago fan. Cubs fans are great. Yeah. 
I Mo, let me ask you a question real quick. Where do you live again, brother? Uh, I live in Indiana right now. That happened in the Pacers game. Oh, I, I don't even have to ask that happened. The Pacers beat up Pistons players <laughs> right, on the court. Right. <laughs> That's Indiana. Dylan, you're in Atlanta, right? No, I live in Oklahoma, but I'm a Hawks fan. Ah. You live in Oklahoma. Let me ask you a question. That happens at the Red River rivalry where a fan stops a, a huge situation from happening. How do you think the Oklahoma fans would react? Oh, bro, everyone's fighting. Texas is coming in and helping us too. It's, it's crazy, though. If you really look at – break it down, I think Bartman, what happened with him was mild. It sounds shitty, but it's the truth. Dylan, best fans, best fan base. Um, so for NFL, I, I did have Buffalo. Um, I, I took kind of this question in two ways. It was one, which fan base would I have the most fun being at a tailgate with? Okay. And then which fan base would I think would help me out the most in like a dire situation? You know, which ones would care for you? Which ones would technically be there? I mean, at the end of the day, we're looking for the best fan base. And if my car breaks down, and I'm wearing like a Dolphins jersey. Maybe Buffalo. I, I'm pretty sure Buffalo fans will help me, but some other other franchises they probably couldn't care. Um, but since Kyle went Buffalo, I'm gonna go a different route. How about Detroit for the NFL? When it comes, you look at their bad luck of history. You look at how bad the team's been, the lack of playoff success, and different things like that. But Lions fans always seem to be behind their team every year. They don't switch up. They don't leave. They don't do anything else like that. I think. Of course, Buffalo will be my number one choice. But when you come to look at like loyalty and teams that just care about their franchise and different things like that, I think what Detroit's done, I mean, just the whole like city of Detroit, even if you look at the Pistons and different things like that, they're always supportive. They know they might be bad. They'll be like, yeah, we suck, but go Lions. So that, I, I really I really like Detroit. Um, met a couple of Detroit fans myself, and they're kind of all the same. Like, yeah, we suck, but we're still going to be here for our team, which I really like. And then on the basketball end, I'd probably say Chicago, the Bulls. I mean, I grew up in an era where D. Rose was really popular and the, the Chicago love and outpour for Derrick Rose was crazy. But even now, I've been the only NBA game I've ever been to is I've been to a couple of Chicago Bulls games. And the atmosphere, the just how it was is just so great. Um, the players who have played in Chicago, different things like that, such a rich basketball culture. Like Derrick Rose is a perfect example, a Chicago kid who gets love from Chicago fans anywhere he goes. If he's on Memphis, New York, or different teams like that, just so much love for him because he's a Chicago kid and so much love for their team. Chicago had the most, um, the the most, well, I'm trying to think of the word. They had the most fans come in for the NBA this season over any other team. They had the most average attendance, which was like 20,000, which is wild because if you look at Chicago at the start of the season, you know, you might thought of them being a potential playoff team, maybe that low play in area. But they didn't even make the playoffs, and they still had the highest attendance average. So I really like Chicago when it comes to basketball. And then on baseball, I don't really know too much about history of baseball, but I do know how good St. Louis is living in Kansas, living in Oklahoma. I just know how rich the culture is. The Cardinals fans have always been really nice. So, yeah, I'd say St. Louis for that. Appreciate the comment, Marlon. I do. Uh, I don't want to take Moe's, so if Moe's going to say any of these fan bases, I don't want to steal them from him. But I do have a comment on something. I won't? Nah, because my, my fan base, you probably wouldn't even think I would go with this fan base. But I've interacted with this fan base, so I'm definitely going to go with them. Well, I was I was going to say, I, I think the Chiefs and the Seahawks have two of the highest decibels, loudest. loudest. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't say the Seahawks. And, you know, it's funny. You look at the chat, right, and you see 
the CEO of the Empire Sports Empire Network saying that Giants fans are better than Chiefs fans. That is hilarious to me. I, I listen. He's come. Can we start calling Freddie Jordan Jr.? Like he <laughs> says the, the Homer comments, Jordan Jr. over there. The Giants fans are better than the Chiefs fans. Are you out of your freaking? I don't have a dog in that race, Freddie. Man, that's not I lived in close. Kansas. I lived in Kansas in that Missouri area, and I will say, Chiefs. At least some of the Chiefs fans. Some of them are a little. I wouldn't say the smartest football fans in the world, but they do love them some Chiefs. They do love them some Chiefs. Look, and that's not and that's not to all Chiefs fans. Of course, we have Chiefs fans in the chat, and they're very smart. But some of them I met, they ain't the smartest, but they do love them some Chiefs. Dude, the 12th man out there in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome to watch. And then they got the Hawk, and they, they have an honorary fan, the honorary 12th man that, that like lets the Hawk go, and he flies out and goes back to him. Like, that's awesome. I want to see a game in Seattle so bad. That is my number one goal. Rich, I need to get rich so I can start going to some of these fan bases. I would love to do like a tour in an NFL season and just see one game each. That that's like my biggest bucket list goal is that. I don't even need to see every stadium. Like I don't I don't care to go to Houston. I don't need to see the Texans play, but like I want to go to Seattle, Green Bay, Kansas City. Like I want all the ones with big rich like history, like with fans, like or just opening ceremonies of games, different things like that. Just the atmosphere of those big areas. I want to go to a table. Send me to Buffalo. I want to go to a table. Diva, yeah, get yeah. the table. Yeah, I agree. Like, if a Buffalo fan sets me up a table, I'll jump off a truck. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Mo money, mo problems. What's fan base, the best fan base? So, for baseball, for me, and this is because my family is, they're a rabid Dodgers fan. So, I think it's the Dodgers for baseball for me. They, they are so loyal. They're so invested in the Dodgers. It's 24-7, 365. Dodgers, my uncles, his brothers, they're rocking Dodgers gears basically year round. They're that invested. They're talking about stats. They're talking about previous years. They're bringing up players from back in the day that I didn't know up Steve Garvey and all these old old school guys. Like they're that invested in the Dodgers. So I think Dodgers fans are really a really great and strong fan base. But for a fan base overall that I actually got to interact with on a regular basis. I think Philadelphia fans are great. I think that's a great fan base. I I was actually living in South Jersey when the Sixers was playing the Lakers in the finals. And I think the, he was the owner or the president of the Sixers at the time. I think his name was Pat Croce. I might get the name wrong. Yeah, you got it right. And he was doing this thing where he was going to get a bunch of fans together. that, that They were motivated. They were going to celebrate the finals coming back to Philly. They were getting them geared up for games three, four, and five and they were going to walk across the Ben Franklin Bridge. And he invited everybody, not just Sixer fans, but anybody that wanted to make that walk. I actually drove there, made the walk. And the crazy thing was, the whole time I'm, I'm walking across Ben Franklin, I got Sixers fans. Some of them are coming at me. You know to get, you know it's over, right? You know the next three games, and that's the series. It'll never make it back to L.A. And I'm like, I actually agree. It won't make it back to L.A., and they're like, nobody can stop AI. This is our time. I had a few Philly fans telling me Shaq's garbage. It's over. Kobe's overrated. For every Philly fan that came at me hard, there were just as many that was really cool. They were very knowledgeable. They were passionate about their team, but they were good with me. No one was for wearing Lakers gears and, and walking out there. When I went to the game, when I went to the game, and, I, and I'm amongst like 
tons of Sixers fans. And yeah, there's a few of them that are coming at me, but most of them, they're just really knowledgeable, passionate fans. I've gone to tailgate with some of my friends who still live in Philly that are Eagles fans. These are rabid people. And if you are, you're a football player, an athlete, and they think they, that you give them everything you have, they will ride with you till the wheels fall off. And if they think that you're doing less than that, they'll turn on you just as well. This fan base is probably the most engaged fan base I've ever been around. They're the ones that flood all the talk sports radio shows. I mean, they, they are really integrated and invested in their team. To me, just as an outsider that got to see it firsthand time and time again, I think the Philly fan base is rabid. I think it's one of the best fan bases, if not the best, in all of sports. Well, checks in the mail, Mo, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, 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 That's real. That's real. I do want to make a comment on that because I didn't want to bring up Philly because I, I said not you're not home team. But for every player that you look at that Philly ran out of town or didn't like, you just look at them real quick. Just take a second. Let's look at them. Let's look at uh, what they don't like about James Harden, Ben Simmons, what they don't like about Carson Wentz. Or what they didn't like about, and just go through it, right? They didn't like about, I'll tell you right now, Philly's player they couldn't stand was Bobby Abreu. Couldn't take him. Couldn't stand him. He didn't seem like he cared. Jogged. There's a Philly player that this, the team just 100%, they 100% follow. You name me a more beloved player than Brian Dawkins. Allen Iverson. Chase Utley, Jason Kelsey. The city loves them. They they don't ever have to pay for a drink in the city of Philadelphia ever. This city would go to war and back for Jason Kelsey. They would. Old St. Nick, Nick Foles, never in a million years would that man ever have to pay for a drink. The most love, I don't know who the most loved Philly player is. I can tell you there's five of them. It's Nick Foles, Allen Iverson. Brian Dawkins, Chase Utley. I'm I feel like I'm missing one. They they, they had a love-hate relationship with Jimmy Rollins because Jimmy was jogging the first a few times and they couldn't what about stand Dr. it. What about Doc? Yeah. I wouldn't say he's beloved in Philadelphia with no with no uh Bobby Clark. But I what I mean by that is, like, Chase Utley could do no wrong. Mike Schmidt had a love-hate relationship, Doug. I'm going to tell you, Andy Reid, they hated Andy Reid. They, they ran Andy Reid out of town. But Mike Schmidt had a love-hate relationship. I'll tell you something about Mike Schmidt. I'll tell you a quick story. And nothing nothing bad against Mike. But when I was younger, I used to go to the Boys and Girls Club. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Philadelphia Phillies used to have a charity basketball team. They used to go around places and Boys and Girls Clubs and – Mike Schmidt had just retired and he was playing and he would go to the boys and girls clubs. And I'll never forget. They came to our boys and girls club in Philadelphia to play a basketball game. And um, there was a, a girl, she was younger, like 16 that was handicapped. She was in a wheelchair and all the Phillies uh, players that were on the basketball team signed a, a baseball or a basketball for her. Except Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt says I charge eighty dollars for my signatures. My signatures worth eighty dollars, and uh, it was it was real ugly to watch. He definitely had a very cocky, 
condescending attitude towards him. He wasn't the greatest around women. I, I just being real with you. I, like, listen, I got nothing against Mike Schmidt. He's all time great Philly. But, um, hey, Gene, full- what was the city's relationship with, um, McNabb? Because from the outside looking in, I, I got the impression they couldn't stand him. Well, they couldn't. You, you know, who Philly fans can't stand more than any are players that have to tell you how great they are, how good they do, or how much they're worth. Yeah, Donovan McNabb. Like- Okay. No, I was just saying Philly seems like the culture. Like if you buy into Philly, they'll buy into you. But if you have any sort of signs that you don't want to be there or you're not putting in the effort as much as they are, like they won't care. Get out. We want there will be someone else who will. The thing about Donovan was like a lot of people loved five, but when it when the TO and Donovan McNabb issue came about, they didn't like the way Donovan took a stance on the team side and didn't ride for his player. T.O. didn't like it either. I'll tell you right now, before Phil, before Terrell Owens signed with Dallas, Terrell Owens was the most beloved Eagle by far. It wasn't even close. Uh, they they were on Terrell Owens' side. They wanted T.O. to get paid. They wanted T.O. to remain an Eagle. Philadelphia embraced that man after his one year. They loved everything about him. And, when they were, and I think that Donovan got jealous of that. And Donovan made sure he put his name out there and said that Brian Westbrook needs a contract and stuck his name out there to make sure Brian Westbrook got paid, but he didn't do it about T.O. And T.O. outperformed his contract. He did. He went out and scored 15 touchdowns. He was the best receiver in football that year. There was no doubt about it, and he got hurt. So when T.O. wanted a raise and wanted more guaranteed money, he didn't even want a raise. He just wanted more guaranteed money. Um, Donovan didn't have his back. So we loved Brian Dawkins on that team. We loved T.O. Yeah. We love Chase Utley, Nick Foles. They're the players that Philadelphia loves. Brian Dawkins, said Dawkins. That's Philly loves the, the blue-collar players, the ones that will put it on the line. They'll get hurt. Like, we had a love we, we, we had a love affair for Aaron Rowan. He ran into the fence at Citizens Bank Park, broke his nose. He was out for six weeks. You couldn't love a player more than Philly loved Aaron Rowan after that. Just, just did it, you know. That's, that's what effort. we're about, though. We're about the effort. Dylan, I'm telling you, coming living in Philadelphia, they – why do you think they love Tyrese Maxey so much? He, he goes. He goes at it. He puts all of – he puts his whole effort into the game every night. A hundred and, – and that's the point, right? That's the players we get behind. The reason there's such a love-hate relationship with Joel Embiid, with James Harden, is because when, when we see you not giving as much respect for the game, as much love for the game as we do – we got a problem with it. We got a couple of minutes left. I, I kind of want to talk about some college fan bases that didn't get brought up. If you could give me just one, maybe two, college fan bases that you think that are best fan bases in the world. Well, I would be, I would have to say I, I do like what Iowa does. Not Iowa, but Purdue. I do like what Purdue does. Um, their little hospital wave that they do every day, or every like home game is, is something I think is amazing. Um, also I'd have to say Penn state. I just look at those big, just like when the college football's at home, those things where you have those whiteout games, different things like that. Every fan is in a white Jersey, that game there. It won't be anyone wearing even a secondary color of bears, which different things like that. Penn state's whiteout is one of the craziest things. If you have a whiteout on a night game in Penn state it is not fun place to play as a, a visiting team. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful look though. Agreed. I mean, it's intimidating for a college kid to walk mm-hmm. into that stadium. Mm-hmm. Kyle, give me a college, give me a college fan base that you really 
love the way they they follow their team? Uh, because that's an interesting one. Being from Boston, where college sports aren't necessarily the biggest thing, but for me, like when I was watching other teams, like fan bases that I would pay attention to, was like uh, Florida State when they had the guy, you know, come on the horse and slam the. I don't even know what you call it, into the middle of the field. I always kind of like that. Or Ohio with the, it was like the fan dotting the, the eye on Ohio, on Ohio or whatever. Um, I mean, like the SEC teams, you know, Clemson walking down, I guess the little ramp that they have and touching, I guess like a rock or something coming out. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that, I, I do definitely appreciate. I mean, Cameron Crazes, everybody knows them because Duke was always on. So I always like them as well. But yeah, being from an area where I don't really know if any of the teams up there really have a tradition that, you know, from the outside looking, like nobody's going to say BC for doing whatever. So. Foles yeah. still does have a statue, by watched. the way. Somebody asked if Foles still has a statue in Philadelphia. He does. All right, Mo, we, we're running out of time. Give me a college that you really. Um, you know what? I'm from a military family, so I was all over. But I, if I had to say that I, that I got to watch a lot of um, just from the outside of on TV, I thought Michigan's fan base is kind of rabid. It's kind of strong. Um, they seem like they show out no matter what the event. So I think Michigan's got a really strong and rabid fan base. Mine will be the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee yeah, Volunteers. That's a good one as well. All right. So we got 756. Big time's on in three minutes. We got to exit stage right. So big time can exit stage left. Come right in. Um, I think that fun, fun show tonight, guys. Yeah. Fun conversations back and yeah. forth. But uh, we got coffee and sports tomorrow morning. We got the big time show next. Anything you guys want to say before we cut? We cut out. Johnny Menzo was that not that good in Cleveland? LeBron is bigger. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna stick with what it's it's still here, man. He can make all the throws. <laughs> And every every quarterback plays in the system. Well, I'm wired to wire Gene. That's the Prince of Production, Kyle Edwards. Mo money, mo better. And my man, D Nice, Dylan Reed. We are the Cheap Seats Podcast. So y'all take a breath, use the bathroom, get yourself a drink, and listen to the sounds of big time coming up next. Take care. Good night, everybody.